Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC FM, and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you on this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Andrea Barton-Reeves. She is CEO of the Connecticut Paid Family and Medical Leave Insurance Authority. Good morning to you. Good morning, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. Applications are now being accepted for paid leave for wage reimbursement starting next month. Tell us how things are going. Are you seeing a lot of applications at this point? We are. We are so delighted to have opened up the applications process a month before benefits will actually be paid. And this has given people a chance to be more planful in how they are applying and the reasons why they're applying. So we are actually seeing, we have about 1,500 applications already. And most of those are for pregnancy leave and for what's known as bonding leave. So those are for the little babies that have already arrived whose parents would like to spend more quality time with them while they're still little and cuddly. So that's that's been great. We have also seen a fair number of applications, uh, close to 400, for people who are looking to take time to care for themselves because they have a serious health condition. So this is exactly why this program was designed and created. And we see people coming in and filing their applications. Our claims administrative partner is AFLAC, and they are really doing a terrific job right now in having those conversations with applicants and walking them through the process. Now, what are the particulars in terms of eligibility? What workers apply and what sort of events qualify? Workers who who are employed in a place that have one or more employees with some exceptions like municipalities and boards of education, which are not covered by the law, they can apply. And you need to have a qualifying reason for leave and that can include your own serious health condition, which can include pregnancy or being an organ or bone marrow donor. You can apply to be a caregiver for someone else who's also experiencing a a serious health condition. There's also two types of military leave. There's one known as military caregiver leave. So if someone in your family has been injured during active duty, you can take time off to uh, care for them and apply for a paid leave benefit. And you can do so if a person has also been called up to serve our country overseas, and that's known as qualifying exigency leave. The other type of leave that people might not know much about that 
you can get up to 12 days of paid leave for is family violence leave or domestic violence leave as it's more commonly known. Our state has had a domestic violence leave law for at least the last eight years. And those 12 days were often taken unpaid, but now a person can apply for wage replacement while they're addressing the issues that are related to family violence. Walk us through how one applies. Is this something you start by having a conversation with your employer about, or do you go online? How does it work? For the paid leave benefit, you can certainly apply online. And we really encourage people to do that. And you do that at our website, which is ctpaidleave.org. You can also call, and we have an 800 number, which is 877-499-8606. Those are the ways in which most people are applying. And once you do that, you'll be given a welcome packet that will give you a list of all of the information that you need to provide to us in order for us to determine whether you qualify for the leave and whether or not your leave has been approved. But let me also say this, that it works in conjunction with what is also known as family medical leave. Uh, family, Yes, family medical leave. And it can be a little bit confusing, but if you are taking time off for a qualifying reason under the Family and Medical Leave Act, which are the same reasons why you can take time off and get paid for your time away, that is something that you want to clear with your employer. So if you do have a serious health condition, you need to work through your time off with your employer. And once you have that resolved, then you should come to the paid leave authority and apply for your paid leave benefit. That's really the easiest and safest way to maintain your employment and keep your employer informed as to what your plans are. How does this benefit dovetail with employers that might offer some form of paid leave already? It really depends on that employer's plan. Most employers are offering what's known as a short-term disability policy, and some have paid time off, and there are some very large multi-state and multinational employers who are already offering their own form of paid leave. So for those large employers who already have it, they are modifying it a bit so that it can be compliant with the Connecticut's paid leave law. For those other employers that are offering large buckets of paid time off and short-term disability, what we do at the Paid Leave Authority is we will ask whether or not the employer will be paying first or whether we will. And if we will, then we will pay the maximum benefit the person is entitled to based on the formula in the statute. And then that individual can go to their employer to see if there's any more benefit that might be available to them that can bring them closer to what they would normally earn in their weekly wage. Roughly, what are the numbers? I suspect it's not 100% wage reimbursement. No, it's not. If you make minimum wage is actually pretty close, if you're a minimum wage earner, you will get 95% of your weekly wage. If you earn more than that, there is a much more complex formula, but the maximum that anyone can get is 60 times the prevailing minimum wage, which right now in Connecticut is $13 an hour. So the maximum benefit would be $780 a week. So let's say that you earned that, but you would normally, if you were working, you would get more than that. Your employer may have other benefits, like I said, the short-term disability or uh, maybe some paid time off that they can add to that to help you supplement that. It's just that the statute says that you can't get more than 100% of your pay. Now, there has been talk 
of a national paid leave program for quite some time. If that ever happens, what happens to the Connecticut program? So what happens to the Connecticut program is it would it may have to just be tweaked a little bit. We would be known as a legacy program if the federal paid leave were to pass. And a legacy program essentially is allowed to continue to operate as it does as long as it makes room for the federal program. And that would mean that we'd have to make a few programmatic changes. Uh, the leave as it stands right now as it's been proposed is four weeks rather than 12 weeks. So we would have to learn how to administer both of the programs, but it would not be a significant or fundamental change. And it certainly wouldn't mean that the paid leave program in the state would go away. So many people have contributed to this. They're looking forward to it. So we certainly would not be in favor of it no longer existing. So essentially it would be grandfathered in. That's right. So the key milestones at the beginning of the year, you started collecting the one half of 1% payroll tax to fund the program. December 1, you began accepting applications. Walk us through what happens from here. What happens from here is starting January 1, benefits payments are now able to be made. And that we know is something that's exciting and that people are actually waiting for. So the folks, even the 1,500 people who have applied so far, they will most likely start to get their benefit payment as early as January. And then as people continue to apply throughout the year, they'll actually be able to enjoy the benefit that the, uh, the the Connecticut workforce is paying for. Then after that period, we expect that we'll continue to see a steady increase in some of the areas of leave. Maybe more people will start taking time off for their own serious health condition. Connecticut also is one of the states that is graying the fastest. So we do think that we'll also see a fair uptick in caregiver leave for people whose uh, parents and other relatives, elderly relatives, uh, might need leave and sorry, might need actually uh, care. So we're thinking that in the categories of leave that we know people will use the most, we will continue to start to see a bit of an increase. And then like most states that already have paid leave, it'll level off. And then people will actually be able to avail themselves of the benefit that they're paying for. What sort of number crunching has occurred to ensure that you have enough money to pay out all of the claims? Yeah, there's been a lot of number crunching. We've had an actuarial analysis before the program began. We had um, another one right as I started with the program in 2020. And then we just had one done that we presented to our board of directors in October of this year. And that analysis shows that even up to five years from now, the program remains strong and solvent. So the reason that it has a five-year window is that that's about the amount of data that's available from other states who've had a paid leave program because the oldest state, their program is probably about eight years old. So we have five good years of reliable data from other states and the program does remain solvent. I know people have expressed concern about insolvency and we've certainly seen that in other funds with other programs, but that is, it's not the case here based on the actuarial analysis that we have. You mentioned that anticipated pent-up demand at the beginning of the program. If you apply right at the beginning or you wait, say, six months, is the level of benefits 
you are going to receive be the same? Yes, it will, because it's a formula that's within the law. And it's really based on your wage earnings. So we get information from the employer and from the Department of Labor. We may ask you as an applicant to provide us with some more information. And your wage benefit is really based on how much you have made. And so if you've had an increase in your wages over time, that would be reflected in your benefit. And if you've had a a steady amount of money that you've been paid, that would also be reflected. But again, there's a cap on the amount that you can receive, which is 13 times the minimum, I'm sorry, 60 times the minimum wage, which is $13 an hour. So that brings you to 780. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Andrea Barton-Reeves, CEO of the Connecticut Paid Family and Medical Leave Insurance Authority. What are the most common questions you get about this new benefit? The most common questions include, what if I have a reason for leave that starts now in 2021, and I think that that leave is going to bridge over into 2022? Can I still apply for my benefit? And you absolutely can. So that category of bonding that I mentioned with all the little babies that have been born this year, whose parents want to have an opportunity to spend time with them next year, that's a perfect example of a claim that would have started this year, but would bridge over into 2022. The other question that we get a lot is it's really from small businesses is, do I have to approve the uh, family and medical leave benefit for everyone who applies? The answer is you don't have to approve it for everyone who applies, but if a person is eligible and they provide you with proof of their eligibility, you do have to approve it and it's an entitlement. So we hear this all the time. There's only nine people, there's only 14 people you know, that work in my workplace. And if half of them decide that they are eligible and they qualify for family and medical leave, how am I supposed to run my business? And we do understand that that is a significant challenge, but it has. we've had family and medical leave in our state since 1996. This is just really the first time that it's been paid. And it's the first time that it's applied to employers that have uh, fewer than 75 employees. So it's an entirely new world for a whole bunch of employers. And I think the last question that we get the most is one that you posed earlier, which is around solvency. Will you have money? Am I paying into a fund that's going to be bankrupt two years from now? You know, and as I mentioned, we've we take that question and all questions, particularly the one around solvencies, very, very seriously, which is why we've had three reports done in the last two years. And we know that the solvency is not an issue. If someone takes leave, is there a waiting period before they can do that again? The most that a person can take in a 12-month period is 12 weeks. So our statute, our law, doesn't necessarily have a waiting period per se when you can access the benefit. So if, for example, you had a baby this year and you're going to take five weeks of bonding leave in the beginning of this year, and you want to take your remaining weeks later in the year or even two weeks after that, you can certainly do that. Again, you would want to coordinate that leave with your employer who may not necessarily uh, be excited about you being at all that, all of that time at one time, but in some cases it might not be helped. So let's use that same example of a person who's out on bonding leave and then they unfortunately discover that they are someone that they love has a serious health condition and now they need to be out. They can certainly do that for the remainder of the leave that they have available as long as they don't exceed the 12 weeks in a 12-month period. 
Initially, there were some challenges getting businesses to sign up and register with the leave authority and begin withholding that one half of 1% payroll tax. How have things gone as we approach the benefit payout deadline? They've actually gone exceptionally well. And you're right. The last time that you and I talked, I probably had 40,000 of 108,000 businesses registered. I also want to say that I was really even amazed that that many businesses registered in the height of a pandemic when they were really just trying to keep their doors open and their businesses viable. And we still wanted to be encouraging. And I'm glad that we did that because today I can tell you that we have 124,000 businesses that have registered with the Paid Leave Authority. So the business community has been just extraordinary. And I know I personally want to thank them for being so cooperative and compliant with a law that just came uh, and became relevant, really uh, probably at one of the most challenging times in their business history. But they did it because we've got great businesses in this state. How does Connecticut's paid leave program compare to others? Is it more or less generous? Is it based on another state's program? It is one of the most generous. The 95% of the base weekly wage for those who earn minimum wage is the most generous benefit of all of the programs. So we were the eighth state to start a paid leave program and uh, the ninth entity, if you include the District of Columbia. Uh, And so we have a fairly generous amount of money that is payable to people. But even so, as I mentioned, actuarially, it's still leaves our fund solvent. And other states are also managing their solvency as well. Washington State and Massachusetts, and then the third would be New York, also have fairly generous programs where they offer people who are making minimum wage a bit more, sometimes considerably more than those that have higher wage levels. And they all have caps as as our plan does as well. So there are some plans that are the, some parts of the plan that are the same and some where we really do stand out. I would say that on, on par with other states, we probably have the most generous benefit when it comes to the, uh, the time when you can enjoy job protection. So uh, under the Family Medical Leave Act, if you were to take time today, you'd have to work for your employer for a year and you'd have to work a thousand hours. Starting next year, you will only have to work for your employer for three months and no hours worked requirement in order for you to know that when you take your family and medical leave, you will have your your exact job when you return under Connecticut family and medical leave. That's unique to us in terms of the short period of time that a person can work and enjoy job security. There's the Paid Family and Medical Leave Insurance Authority And then you have an outside contractor, AFLAC, which is actually managing the claims. How do those two entities work together? Sure. They work together in that we provide the oversight to AFLAC. We meet with them uh, daily, quite frankly, to review the claims intake, to answer any questions that they might have as they're administering the claims process. They, are, uh, they have certain standards that they need to meet in terms of how quickly they answer calls and how thoroughly and how accurately they provide information to claimants. From what we have seen so far, and again, it's only been a week, uh, we have not received any negative feedback so far on the uh, amount of time or the quality of the care that people have received 
and service from AFLAC, they have been able to stand up this entire process in less than six months. Uh, they have a stellar reputation, as everyone knows. Everyone's very familiar with the doc. They have a, a well-known brand. So I can tell you with our one week of partnership being live, it's actually gone quite well. How big a team does it take to administer the claims? It takes a team of 150 people to administer claims. It does. And that is so people can get the highest quality of service, so that you're not on the phone for 45 minutes, that you have someone who knows the answers to the questions, that there's an appropriate number of people that can review applications when they come in so you're not waiting a long time. People who can answer the same questions from the same claimant repeatedly if they need clarification. It takes a deep bench to do this well. So we're we're actually really pleased that we're partnering with them. And so far, it's going well. When someone applies for and is granted paid leave, how do the mechanics of that work? Is that a check that shows up in the mailbox from the state or does that show up in someone's pay stub or some other way? It shows up in two ways. We are making deposits directly to bank accounts or you can get it in the form of what we call a stored value card, which most people would refer to as a prepaid debit or a visa card. We, the one that you asked me before, what have we learned from other states? What other states have taught us is that checks are not a good idea for so many reasons, not the least of which is that someone can just walk up to your mailbox and remove your benefit check. And if you're really counting on that, which I, I know I would be and others would be as well, then you're without that benefit. This way, it's stored, it's secured. If someone actually takes your debit card, we can replace that card within you know 24 to 48 hours. It really gives people a stronger sense of security, and then you don't have to deal with the vulnerability of stolen or lost checks. Based on the experiences of other jurisdictions, are there other pitfalls that you have been made aware of and are trying to steer clear of? Yeah, so I have to say, in particular, Washington State and Massachusetts have just been so good to us in sharing all of their learnings and their information. And one of the things that they asked us to do, if we could, which is what we ended up doing, is to open up the application process at least a month before benefits are actually paid so that people can have an opportunity to gather their information and apply early if they'd like to do that. So that was really our target. And that came directly from advice that we received from other states. The other was to make sure that we had an appropriate cadence for when we checked in with people about how their leave was going. We didn't need to do it every week, but you know, perhaps every few weeks if a person is on a longer leave to just check in and see how they're doing. And not because we're checking up on people to make sure that you're actually out on your leave, but to know that we're an organization that really does care because when you are seeking leave, you're dealing with either a very joyous occasion in your life, like you're adding a new child to your family, or you know, there's something that's going on that's serious with you or someone that you love. And so we intend to do that as well. Okay, so that's interesting. It's it's not as if you are approved and they never hear from you again. No, no, not at all. You know, we're approved and there will be a check-in. It could be in the form. So here's the other thing. They also informed us and, and uh, asked if we could consider different ways to communicate with people. So there might be text messaging available. There might be email. You might get a call. Just a way for your case manager to check in with you to say, hey, how's it going? 
uh, is your did your benefits check on that check? Did your benefit card or your direct deposit arrive? Is there something we can do to help you with that? How is your leave going? Do you need any other support? So there will be those check-ins. It won't be with every single person, but it will be enough for people to know that we really do care about their leave and how it's how it's uh, progressing. And our final moments, again, tell us how people can learn more about the Connecticut Paid Family and Medical Leave Insurance Authority. So, and I love that you use the whole name. We just call it the Paid Leave Authority because it uh, and we encourage people to do the same thing. And the best way to do that is to go to our website, which is ctpaidleave.org. And you will find everything there that I just spoke of and, and maybe a bit more. She is Andrea Barton-Reeves, CEO of the Connecticut Paid Family and Medical Leave Insurance Authority. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Aaron. Huge fan. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.